had to reprint a couple of pages. I made a mistake and left them in 12 font, and I can't read 12 font very good. But <laughs> I can read it, but not too far back. So. You should, those expensive eyes. Huh? I said you should be able well, to I can, but you know, you have to when you have them on when you have them on this and they're tilted down, you can't see very well. So, hi, Carol. All right, well, we're going to start. We have two here, so I'm sure we'll have, we have three in here in the living room, so we have two or three. So, two or three gathered together. So, uh, so welcome everyone, all of you that's watching now. Hi, Ann, Kay, and Judy Miller. Uh, we want to welcome everybody that's here today, and then who's going to watch it later on. We have quite a few people that watch later during the week, and it's exciting to see the comments that people say and how they're learning along with us and also on YouTube. So as I mentioned last week, I uh, uploaded all the YouTube videos. I get behind sometimes. I get occupied doing other stuff, but I think there were like nine of them that I hadn't uploaded to YouTube. So for those who watch by YouTube, we appreciate you also. You do a lot of nice comments. And also, <clears throat> some people get on there and put a lot of links to other pages, and I'd ask that you not do that because I don't know what's on those pages, so please don't put links there. So, so we're, we're studying the divine mind. Uh, we're, this is part of the two books, a two-part book. It may be three parts, I don't know, but on this, the spiritual uh, uh, symbology and the spiritual code of the living word, and that's what we want to do. We want to study the word and see what it really means. Because we, as I've said several times in the last few weeks, <clears throat> we have dreams that come to us. And Jesus spoke in parables. The Bible says he spoke in parables. And so it's very important for us to not just take those symbols and make that the reality of whatever has been said. We need to see what the symbols point to. And just like we have dreams sometimes, in my dreams, I get a lot of symbols. Last night I had a really interesting dream. I won't tell it, but... I know there was symbolic meaning to it, and I think it was to teach me to live in the day that I live in, live in the isness of God, and not think about yesterday and not think about tomorrow, but just live in the isness of our Father. And I think life would be a lot easier if we learned to do that. So, but I want to understand, you know, when I know there's a dream from from the Father, you know, which is a spiritual dream, or where I see signs that point to things, I want to understand what they mean because if I don't, we just live in ignorance. And we live with no understanding. Uh, people without understanding, what does the Bible say happens to them? They perish. And that word perish, that just means they live a life of non-existence. And there's a lot of lack of understanding in the world. You know, people people today are worried about what's going on in politics and other things. And they keep saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, you know, we need to understand history because history seems to repeat itself, doesn't it? You know, and yep, yeah, and it does. It does repeat itself, and so and the only reason it repeats itself is because we don't understand what caused things to happen, and we under, need to understand the cause. But that being said, we're going to start with Thomas today. Thomas represents thought and understanding, and it's in the front part of your brain. So all your thought and understanding is pretty much right up here. You know where we talked about imagination the last few weeks. That's between your eyes. But your thought and your understanding is right here in the front of the brain. You lose that part of your brain, you're pretty much zombified. <laughs> you know, you have no thought whatsoever. <clears throat> so, according to John 14, 5 and 20 and 24, uh, we find Thomas being called Didymus, D-I-D 
YMUS, and I've never really paid much attention to that, but it means twofold, it means double, it means twain, and it means twin. So it was inferring that he was a twin. So we would say Thomas the twin, you know, he's the twin. Doesn't say anything about his brother though. But he was the disciple, and of course it could have been a sister too, because twins aren't always the same gender. But he was uh, the disciple who represents the faculty of reason and the faculty of intellect and the faculty of understanding. And, but he does not signify spiritual understanding or he would not have, or he would have comprehended what Jesus was saying to him. You know, he questioned Jesus with a lot of carnal things, if you would, and he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying to him. So he does not uh, signify spiritual understanding. He, sense of, uh, he, he uh, signifies outward understanding. Not all understanding is carnal. You know, I mean, there is some understanding of natural science and everything that's real and true. But if you put all your understanding basically in carnal things, then you're really not tapping into the spiritual meaning of those things. And so Thomas's understanding was limited by what we would call a human-minded or carnal-minded restricted standpoint. You know, seeing everything that you see with the sense realm. And as we've said many times, the senses will lie to you. Uh, I have a young grandson that I was talking the other day and he was telling me how he felt. You know, he was feeling this way and he was feeling that way. And, and I was glad he was, he was seven years old and he was using some big words. And we were trying to help him. And he said, I'm trying to tell you how I feel, you know, and I'm glad he was able to say that to us. So we listened to him. But afterwards, after he calmed down a little bit, I sat him down and I talked to him about feelings. And I, I said, you know, I said, Ethan, do you understand that feelings can lie to you sometimes? Just because you feel something is not the truth. When you feel everybody's against you, you know, and you feel like they're all coming against you or, or whatever, sometimes that comes from something that's inside of you that's in, uh, produced by insecurity or fear or things that's happened to you or whatever. And I think he was understanding me at his level of understanding. He's got a very good level of understanding. <laughs> but, but so what happens when we do gain our understanding from just what, what we call human-minded or just your five sense realm, then, then it can produce some feelings that can really be lies and, and not the truth. You know, uh, I, I, just because I teach you these things doesn't mean I always live by them. I try my best to. I was with Norma Mason the other day, we did, uh, yesterday we did an art show, and I was telling her about a person that, that uh, we went to church with or whatever, but it just seemed, ever since I've left that place, it seems like that person doesn't want to talk to me, doesn't like me, you know, all those things that feelings give you. And I said, every time I say hi to that person, that person says hi and just turns around and walks away, will not get into a conversation with me. Well, later on, I something happened and I ended up talking with her about something and all of a sudden she just opened up and she was bubbly and she was kind and I felt that she loved me. So feelings, feelings need to be under, under the control of our spirit, if you would, or what we really know. And we don't judge people by the outward, but we really, we just refuse to let the feelings be the final answer or the final proof. Like, I don't feel like you love me. Well, Again, you can't go by your feelings. Well, how know you gotta, huh? You can't. You can't determine how I know this person feels. No, by how you feel. By how, by how you feel. Right. So Thomas asked Jesus some interesting questions. He asked Jesus, "We know not where you will go, 
and how can we know the way? You know, so he wasn't, he was st still thinking physical. Where are you going to go? Are you going to go to Galilee or are you going to go, where are you going to go? We don't know. And that's a, that's a good question, but, but it was more, he was more concerned, concerned about physical stuff. And the story of Lazarus, Thomas said, let us go with Jesus that we may die with him. He didn't understand that Jesus was talking about using a parable by saying he's just asleep, you know, and he called him forth from the dead. He, he just said, let's go die with him. And then after Jesus resurrected himself from the dead is where we get that famous saying, doubting Thomas, because he seemed to be a doubter all the time. And so after Jesus resurrected himself, he appeared to the disciples where they were hiding. They were fearful. You know, they didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, Thomas was told that he was alive. But he said, except I put my hands and the prints of the nails on him and my fingers into his side and I thrust my hand aside, I'm not going to believe. So what was he basing all of his belief system on was sight, senses, touching, tasting, smelling or whatever. You know, I'm always kidding with my grandkids, but I still believe it. Even Quaid, they tell me sometimes they don't like something, like some food. And I say, have you ever tasted it? And they say, no, I just don't like it. <laughs> I know I don't like it. I just know I don't like it. But really, you don't know. You're assuming you don't know. You know, and uh, Ethan's really big on that. And I'm always having this. But he just refuses to give in. It's for some reason. He just knows he doesn't like it, but he's never tasted it before. Yeah. He did not taste it here, and I gave his mother a bunch of it to take home. Yeah. And she got him to eat it. And, and he liked it. The next day he comes and said, that's the best lasagna I ever ate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that makes me think of taste and see that taste the Lord is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't right. think the Lord's you good. Like you don't it. think God's, you know, whatever. Whatever you think about God, but if you just put your faith and, and try and find out that there's nothing but goodness. And so I, I think that's really good. But so Thomas was, his belief system was based on his physical senses to know and understand a thing. And just like today, many will never believe Jesus is still alive. You know, I'm, I've made mention a few days ago that I believe he's still alive. I believe there's a lot of people still that have tapped into who they really are and they've lived a long, long time. And we know that Jesus took his body, he resurrected, people saw him much more than we see in scripture. People saw Jesus all over the place. And so, but, you know, unless they can actually see the Jesus that looks like that picture, I'm, I'm joking about it, but literally some people would say, well, that's not Jesus. He doesn't look like that picture. Well, that picture, again, is just a model for an artist to paint some kind of rendition for us to have something to bow down to and to worship and everything that people have done with it. So, again, they have no clue of that which hath been done before the foundation of the world and, and the truth. So we know, like Father, Jesus always met people on their level of understanding. And that's really important for teachers to realize that you've got to meet people where they're at. And you can't get frustrated with people because they are not willing to hear the truth or whatever you're teaching. We want to continue to encourage people to lift their sights higher. But some people don't want to, just like, I don't want to taste that food. I'm not interested. Well, if you would, you, your palate might experience something that you really would like and find out there's something you've been missing out on all your life. So it's good to eat broccoli and <laughs> green beans. And, you know, my grandson's here, so I'm joking with him. 
And so he wanted to have him come up higher. And then, then Jesus said to Thomas, well, okay, reach your finger in, behold my hands, if this is what you need, uh, behold my hands, reach and thrust your hands on my side, and be not faithless in your believing. So if it takes your senses to understand, then touch them. If it takes your senses to understand, then, you know, I'll, I'll help you to tap into some miraculous things that you call miracles. I'll help you to tap into healing. But guess what? Healing is not permanent. Healing is not God's best. I'll help you tap into all uh, that you have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I'll help you to believe for finances to come or whatever. You know, and that's just my way of explaining that. If that's what you need, but it's not going to bring permanent understanding to you because healing comes and goes and financial uh, blessings comes and goes. Amen? You know, how many have ever had a financial blessing in your life? Yeah, Quade, you had one. Your, your scholarship that you won, that's tremendous. But four years from now, that's all going to be gone. You know? And we've inherited money. I know, Norma, you probably have inherited some money or got it from a life insurance policy or whatever. And it comes and it's so exciting, but then it goes and it's not permanent. And that's why Jesus tried to teach people how to live out of the permanence of true supply, not just him been around to heal you or to provide bread. Because that's why he couldn't really teach the people because all they were interested in is healings and miracles and how are we going to feed these people you know, and then Jesus showing him how he took the bread and the wine and he enlarged it. I mean, the fish and the, and the, uh, bread. the bread and the fish and he enlarged it for him. But he, but he didn't want to stay around and just constantly provide food for him all the time. Just like us and our children, you know, we commit to a good 18 years of their life that we're going to feed them. We're going to diaper them when they're babies and we're going to help them. But then there comes a time that they need to go and be able to do it for themselves because we're not going to always be around to do that for them, right? So Father is always around, but Father is always in us. Father is source. Father is not a physical being that you can see, that you can touch, that comes and goes. And But we experience Father. We experience the source inside of us, the, the essence, the Chinese. I think it's the Chinese that calls it the Qi. It's the same thing. Qi is spirit, holy breath, essence, life source. And so we experience life source. So if you don't want to use the word God, say life source. I don't like the word God, and that's why I say Father, because that's a very intimate term. And so Thomas answered Jesus and said to him, My Lord and my God. It, just, it took that physical thing for him to do that. But there again, later on, you know, that could dissipate. I remember one time my brother and I was in the hospital visiting, uh, I think my mom, and there was a couple next door. My brother was very a very good evangelist. He was always wanting to minister to people. And so they were out in the lobby, and my brother was talking to him, and their daughter was sick, had a really bad problem. And I think they were from Iran or somewhere. And my brother began to talk to him about healing and, and, and father. And this guy said, well, if, if, if your if pretty much if your God will heal my daughter, I'll believe. And I'll love to come to your fellowship. You know, all those things I'll, I'll do if you do this. So Leonard prayed over her, a, prayed, a really prayer of faith over her. And before my mama left the hospital, the girl got well and left. And the guy thanked him for it, but we never saw him again. And don't know if he believed or not. You know, but that signs and wonders never really solidify people in a relationship at all.
It's, it's, a, it's a knowing something. And after all this took place, John the Apostle wrote, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you, which would be us. All, what Jesus did was for those people, but all this was written down for us, generation after generation, that we might believe that Jesus is the one that stayed in contact with Father as a son of God. Not that Jesus is the only one that we can learn from, and not that Jesus, without Jesus, we can't know the Father, because we can know the Father through creation. The Bible says all creation reveals the glory of God, if we really want to know the Father. And there are many other comforter teachers to help us, because Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you many more comforter teachers that are going to lead you and guide you and teach you the things that I tried to teach you. And that's what he was saying. And so... The way the scripture says this, it's a little different, but when I, when I translate it and paraphrase it, it, it says uh, the one who stayed in contact with Father as a son of God should, and that putting your faith in what Jesus taught, you might experience life through recognizing Jesus' authority and character yourself. They, now, they put in the name of Jesus, but that's not how it was done. We, must, we need to recognize that Jesus lived out of the true authority and the true character of a, of a son of God, just as we should recognize it for ourselves, And that's what John was saying to him. So Thomas is the disciple of Jesus, uh, uh, the one that stayed in contact with Father, who represents, again, the understanding faculty in man. And that can include thought and thinking. And understanding and will uh, function should function in unison with the very spirit of God or the divine mind is what we're talking about. And it has its center activity again right in the forehead, right in the front of the brain. So among the disciples of Jesus, Thomas stood for the head, just like John stood for the heart, right? We talked about the heart and the love is in the center. Love comes from the very center. That's why when people love something, they usually go, I love this. You know, I gave uh, one of my friends, uh, a young friends, a, a record that she wanted that I painted on. And she held it to her chest and she... I said, I love this. So that's a kind of a sign where the heart is. When we take our children, we, mamas and grandmas and we, and papas we, and daddies, we pull them close to our chest, right? So that's symbology of where the very heart or seed of love is. So uh, Jesus did not ignore Thomas's demand for physical evidence of his identity, but he respected it. He understood it. But he convinced Thomas by corporal evidence that there had been a body resurrection. That's what the resurrection was for. And I believe, this is just me, but I believe this with all my heart. I believe the resurrection was for, was for mankind to see that we are supernatural. That we can even transcend death. That death has no power over us, no authority over us whatsoever. And scripture teaches that over and over and over. The last enemy to put under, death, under our feet is what? death well the, the real symbology of death is no knowledge of god mm -hmm. but if you have no knowledge of father and no knowledge of father within you then you will experience physical death because the apostle paul said because when we take those uh, communion elements which is a picture of our identify identification with jesus and who jesus is and what he did for us it said uh, he said we take it unworthily and that and that the word unworthily modifies the action not the actor so it's the way you did it, the unworthy way that you did it. 
you know, and, and people do that all the time. They, they, they're so used to taking the communion elements, it's almost unworthily. Almost an automatic thing. Yeah, it's just another ritual that people do. And the truth is, most preachers don't teach, or most religions don't teach what that really is about. You know, then we know the Catholic religion and others teach that it becomes the blood of Jesus and it becomes the, the flesh of Jesus when you eat it. And that's not what Jesus was teaching at all. And so uh, Thomas, by corporal evidence, he had to see this resurrection. But as I'm saying, the resurrection was to show us how powerful we are, how supernatural we are. Uh, somebody, oh, a lady at the uh, art show and craft show we went to yesterday, I was talking to her afterwards, that young lady's mother that I gave the picture mm -hmm. to, and her name is, uh, oh boy, now I'm not going to be able to tell you what it is, it's a biblical name, but I was talking to her about it, but I was sharing with her that we are supernatural, and I was sharing with somebody else yesterday that the word Damion means supernatural, and that we are, are Tammy Wilson, I said that too. And we are supernatural, but it says when they were when they came to him, they were mentally ill, they were sick of the palsy, which they were paralyzed is what that means. And where it said vexed of a devil, you look it up, it says sick of the palsy, they were paralyzed. And so it said supernatural spirit of a bad character. So what they were saying, these people were supernatural, but they were functioning out of a bad character, which is poverty, sickness diseased, anything that's other than who God created us to be. So he was showing us that we can transcend that. And uh, so this same body that Jesus was crucified, had uh, Thomas wanted to see that. He wasn't interested in seeing this glorified body that stood in front of him. Isn't that crazy? And yet here Jesus came and he still had to touch him, still had to feel him. So in John... 14.5, Thomas represents reason functioning in the realm of sense, seeking to discern the things of spirit through outer signs. And many people have done that. How many times, particularly if you went to grow up, grown up in a charismatic church, do we judge the spirit moving by people talking in tongues, getting slain in the spirit, people getting saved, all that signs and wonders, so we're looking for outward things to judge that. But yet a person can be sitting in there and heard the word of God in such a clear way that it changed their life and you never saw nothing. And you sit there and say, man, service wasn't very good today. The spirit didn't move very well. Well, the spirit is inside of us. The holy yeah, breath of God is inside of us. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned previously in this teaching, Tom, or here, Thomas asked Jesus where he was going. And the truth contained in Jesus' answer to Thomas is, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Last week I talked about how he's the way shore. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't here to show us how to get to God. He was showing us the way how to live out of Father, the way to know, the way to understand, because we were already one with Father. And the truth contained in Jesus' answer to Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one grows in understanding and moves towards Father without what I'm teaching. Now, the King James Version says, without me. So if you don't, so the religion says, if you don't accept Jesus, you can never know God. That's not true. That, that's a lie from religiosity. 
You know, just like you said, they said a man must be born again. That's not what Jesus said. A man must remember who he is. And there's other ways of saying that that I read, but they're all the same thing. You need to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the same thing. As, it's, it's, the, it's the understanding of your righteousness and the peace and perfection and joy that comes from that. To know that you're right, that you're perfect. You came out of your mama's womb perfect, and you've always been perfect. Have you always done perfect things? Of course not. Because you were taught that you were something different than who you really are. That when we learn who we are, that we're going to live out of that perfection, if you would. And so Jesus said, you know, you're not going to move towards Father until you understand who you are. I mean, I've said this a million times. Well, I'm exaggerating there. I sound like a politician. Millions of times. <laughs> or an evangelist. But I, I do believe this, that... Uh, and I've said this in my our fellowships, if, if God, if I told you that God was back there in that back Sunday school room, he wants to see you, would you jump up and boldly run back there or would you go say, can I pray first? I would go. I know you would, <laughs> but a lot of people wouldn't. It'd be terrifying for most people. They'd want to pray through first and they wouldn't want to repent and ask God to forgive when God's right back there in that back room. But they would be afraid because of this, this, uh, perception of our father that he's an angry God and he loves you but he's mad at you and you know one moment he loves you one moment he doesn't and so Jesus was saying to these people at that time unless you listen to what I'm teaching you you won't you won't come to the knowledge of the father because there's no one else here teaching this right now the scenes were teaching a lot. The Essenes were, were mystics. They were spiritual seekers of the word. They had great understanding, but they didn't have the understanding like Jesus had because Jesus was born in contact with Father and he never left contact with Father. I, I so love that. I put a post on Facebook about that yesterday, but he never left contact with Father whatsoever. So he's saying here, if not for what I teach and do, so it's that it is that I exist, I exist, I am. We always say I am, right? Moses said, who do you say, who do I say that you are? And Father, in the King James it says, say I am that I am. But if you look it up, the word I am in the Hebrew is exist. So he said, I exist, I exist. In other words, I exist. And then he, look, he looks at you and says, I exist. I exist in you, right? And that's what Jesus came to teach. And in the open door, in that open door, we know that we are righteous, we are holy, we are peace, we are perfection, and we have the joy that comes from knowing that. And that's important for people to know that. So Thomas was full of sense thoughts, sense thoughts, which kept his vibration low, if you would, uh, to the level of sense perception. Got to fix something here. So the things that appear to us are formulations of, of ideas of ourself. We can have an idea in our brain. We can have a thought and we can give attention to that. And then literally what we're thinking about begins to appear. And so most of our life we've had the idea of father taught to us by religious religiosity, right? And so we formed that in our thought processes, and then that's how we saw our Father. Same thing with people. 
Same thing with that young lady I was talking to you about yesterday. I, I formed in my thought process that because of the way that person treated me, that way per, that person acted, I said hi, wanting to visit with them, and they just walked away. And there was the thought there that formed, and that's how we saw them from then on. We have a distant, distant relative that every time you talk to this man, he would be looking at other people all the time. And he wouldn't be looking at you. And so we formed this thought that he wasn't interested in us at all. And, you know, but that's probably not the truth. He was just had a very active brain and he was listening, but he was paying attention to what's going on other places. I've talked to people that I didn't think was listening to me and I'll make a comment to them and they'll tell me everything I said. And they were listening to me. You know, so our thoughts are very powerful and they can formulate ideas that are true or not true. So if we steal our senses, if we would, if you steal your five senses and you, you, you understand the meaning of what Father speaks to our thoughts and we listen to our thoughts, then we begin to see the truth. And that's particular when it comes to signs and symbols that comes to reading the Bible. How many people really read the Bible and stilled their senses and really sat there and listened and said, I want to understand what this means and said, oh, this contradicts this thing and this contradicts that thing, so it must not be true. My son and his wife, when they were, uh, I guess they were married, yeah, they were married, they, they were reading the Bible and they read the Bible all the way through together and it didn't make sense. They were engaged? They were dating. Okay, they were dating, but they didn't tell us about it until later on. But it, it, it seemed to contradict, and of course it does, because if you tell everybody that God is love, and you read the Old Testament, well, that'll make sense, right? You've read some of it, haven't you? And if you listen to preachers get up, and they say God loves you, but then that contradicts the love of God, which is without a cause whatsoever. Or he loves you if. Yes. There's a, that if, because I say, I've been seeing a commercial on television, I just can't stand it because it says that God wants peace and love and wants you, wants you to be well and, and not worried about all this stuff that's going on. Then he said, and if you'll come to Jesus, he will heal you. He will, he will save you. He will, there's always this prerequisite and it's just not true whatsoever. So when we think apart from listening intelligently to the voice of the thoughts that's coming to us, then our formulation of our formulation process of our mind kind of gets in disarray and we formulate wrong things because it's influenced by the lower faculty of the ego and the ego is what me, myself and I, and it's all about how I feel me, myself and I as feelings. And that's why Paul said it's no longer me, which was ego, but now it's Christ, which is in contact with God that I live. I live in contact with God instead of thinking about myself all the time. Because if you think about yourself all the time, what are some of the experiences you have? Depression, anger, doubt, fear, a sense of lack, right? When you're looking with the sense realm, you know, a lot of people look around at what they don't have and they think, I lack, I lack, I lack. And yet we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I listen on TV and I hear them talk about all the kids that go to bed without food in the world. 
particularly in the United States, and it blows my mind. I can't imagine, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, so don't you guys start writing me. But I can't imagine anybody in the United States of America going to bed without food. But I don't think it's the United States of America's fault. It's parents that either are drug addicts or alcoholics or don't choose to work, you know. And besides that, even if you're all of those, there are sources out there that provide food. There's hardly a city anywhere that you can't go to a church and get food, some churches, or you can't go to a, uh, like the Jesus house here. There's always places to get food and it just blows my mind. So it's a, it's a thought or a formulation of poverty. And I know a particular family that's always poverty-minded and you can see it in them, always poverty-minded. And there's lots of them like that and it's just a sad situation. There's a church right across the tree from us that has a, 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 like a big closet on the outside of the church with a glass door on it, and it's always full of food, always. Now, it may not have prime rib in there and steaks, but it's got staples. It's beans and rice and all kinds of stuff, that, and it just says, take what you want. It's always there, and I think it's cool, you know, so... But I don't. I just think there's a real problem with the with the sense where you identify so much with poverty that you let your children live in poverty, and we shouldn't do that. No. So we want to understand what comes to our dreams. We want to understand the symbols of all these things. We don't. We don't want to live in that lower realm of ego anymore because it's nothing but depression and gloom, doom, and despair. And I've been there before. I've been there where I lived out of me. It's all about me, myself, and I. And I don't feel good, you know, and I remember laying under a house in December uh, when I worked for Orca Exterminating in mud, inspecting for termites, praying for a rapture to come. <laughs> if God could just get me out of here, I'd be okay, you know, and I don't like living that way. We need to realize that we are omnipotent. The I exist lives inside of us. So the thinking faculty is the inlet and the outlet of all your ideas. And that's why I love what John Cahill taught years ago. He, he said, I pray, Father, put a guard over my eyes what I see, a guard over my eyes what I hear, a guard over my mouth what I say. And I, that's really good. And even if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in a, uh, that, that is still a good thing to do is to, to put a guard over what you hear. Because today we're hearing so much, half the, half the United States with loves one side, the other half, and we both sides hate each other. It seems like both sides are. It's really in a bad situation, and it's because we have allowed uh, thoughts to come into our mind that have taken root, and some of them aren't necessarily true. The majority of them aren't necessarily true. So if you're ignorant of your office as a prince of the house of David, which that's what the Bible talks about and stand meekly by and let thinking unshifted thoughts come to your mind, then it really will prove that you're an unruly servant, that you're, you're, you're just being ruled by uh, winds that toss you to and fro, which is doctrines and belief systems. It's food, it's, it's ideas symbolized kind of by the gospel of the fishes when Jesus went to the disciples and they were fishing and they weren't catching anything and, he's, and he told them, well, throw the net on the other side. Well, in a sense, we do that with our senses. We throw the nets on the other side and we make wrong decisions. We say, well, this isn't helping me, so I'm gonna go this way. You know, we've gone for physical help and it doesn't help and we, 
a carnal help, if you would. And we're just always looking for someone to help us when we don't realize. Job said, my help cometh from where? From within. Within. We have a divine mind. We have a powerful mind. Uh, I believe with all my heart that if we just sit and listen and meditate, an answer can come because we are powerful. And I've had that happen to many, many times in my life where I just begin to think about something. I, I remember when me and Melvin and Larry Kayser went to the Kaimishi Mountains down in Southeast Oklahoma and we were, it wasn't hunting season yet, but we were looking for a place to put up blinds and everything. And we had uh, uh, four wheelers that we were driving and mine broke down late at night and it got real hot and so it wouldn't start and then the rope came out and so while well, we were in trouble well, didn't because i didn't know how to work on a motor and so i took it apart and you had all those little springs and they all just flew i mean they just flew <laughs> so i'll go god what i'm gonna do and i was trying to figure out how to get that rope back in there where i could start my my bike and i just kind of stopped and i said i said god and i didn't know nothing that i don't know, know today but I said, I need your help. I need to know how to do this. And so I just got real quiet and all of a sudden I saw it. I just saw what to do and I picked up parts and started putting it together and just supernaturally just put it together, closed the lid, pulled it up and it started just like that. What is that doing? That's, that's getting into contact with your, with your true mind because we have a supernatural mind. I mean, you, you know that has to be true because people have invented I mean, Quaid, look at the things your generation has seen that we never saw at your age. That's some pretty powerful minds that's done that. Mm -hmm. And we have children growing up today that are so smart and so intelligent. It just blows my mind what they can do compared to what we did and what we do. I watch Quaid, and I think I'm pretty good at math, but we play these games in there where you have to add up a whole bunch of cards and stuff. And Don and I are pulling out our calculators and Quade just going 25, 32, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's the number. And I just, I, I used to doubt him. And so I would add it up, but I don't doubt him anymore. <laughs> it's easier to get out your calculator. It is. I know. Okay. I, I am thankful for a calculator. I promise you that. So what happens is you become the one. You become the one that says cast the net on the right side instead of father saying this is the way you walk you in it right that's the ideas that we come up with you know years ago what do you uh, mean? all i wanted to huh what do you mean? well jesus the one that was tapped into wisdom and knowledge said cast the net on the right side and he knew there was a lot of fish and, and they, they caught the fish but what we do sometimes we we say cast your net over here or cast your net over there you're mad at your job so i think i'll just go to another company mm -hmm. or uh, my wife doesn't ha make me happy so i'm going to cast my net mm -hmm. to another woman no. all that stuff that we do like that you know i so you're not supposed to cast your net not if you're thinking out of carnal knowledge okay. no. you know you can cast your net to a banker i need money so rather than trusting for true supply I think I'll just cast my net at MidFirst Bank and see if they'll give me a loan. And what comes with that? I'll go to the, to the corner where they'll give me the money right now for 100% interest. Right. <laughs> That's what I mean. You know? Or uh, you have a, a car that needs repair and it's going to cost five, six, seven hundred dollars and, and 
daddy says, you know, this is the way to do it. And you think, nah, I think I'll cast my net on a brand new car. The next thing you know, you can't afford it. Interest keeps getting higher and higher. Late fees get higher and higher. And the next thing you know, it's repossessed or whatever. So that's what I'm saying. Okay. Wrong ideas that come from the wrong area in life. I did that a long time ago. I love ministry. I've always been in ministry. I grew up in church and I wanted to be the, a full-time associate pastor and the parsonage was empty and I just came up with a really good idea. Uh, I, was, I wasn't making a lot of money and I was behind four or five payments on my house payment. And I just thought, I know what, God wants us just to let this house go. And I talked to the pastor and said, I'd like to, can we move into the parsonages and be a full-time associate pastor? And he was gonna let me do it. And I was so excited, but it, was a, it wasn't a God idea. It was my idea. It was what I wanted. And there were two women praying against it. One was my wife and one was the pastor's wife. And the pastor's wife stopped it. And I just rebuked that I devil. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have. But the, I'm just, I'm using it as an example of how we can come up. We can cast our net other when it's not father. And we don't want to do that. So thinking faculty, which would be thought, in you makes you a free agent because it's your, your creative center, if you would. You can think on anything, right? And you really, you can think and you can produce things that are not edifying because of your thoughts and what you dwell on. You know, there are people today that literally take their lives because they think and think and think and think and think about something they don't have or how horrible their life is. And I can't think of any, any way. Any other action. Right. So... In and through this one power, you establish your consciousness and you build your world, and it is a power. And it is, it's, it's, it's a power that God gave you, but that's why Paul said, if there's anything worth thinking on, think on these things, think on the living word, think on the truth. I haven't done a lot of counseling, but the little bit that I did, I tried to tell people the truth. In a marriage counseling, I remember I tried to say, you got, you really do love each other. You just had some things that's happened that you didn't take care of when they were little and you let them get really large. I know lots of people that have divorced and they, they'll tell me, I love her. I still love him. I just can't stand to be with him because things have gone left untaken care of. So what happens is you build your own world. Butch Hodge used to say that all the time. You create your own world. And you have a world that you live in that you can bless if you'll bless the world. So many times I have needed to understand a matter or a thing and literally through stealing my thoughts and just think the answer came. I've had that happen many times. I've had it happen in dreams where the answer came or I just saw it. And one thing a lot that happens is I study when I'm studying and I want to understand something. I'll, I'll be searching, I can't find nothing, I can't find it, I'll look on the internet and try to find something, I can't find what I'm looking for, and then I do what I know I should do, I just stop and say, Father, you gave me this thought to go this direction, this pathway, I need your help, and I'll hear Deuteronomy 22.5, or I'll hear uh, uh, Isaiah, the restoration of the remnant, and then I remember, well, I taught that, and what I was looking for was in that book. So I go through and search it, lo and behold, there's what I was looking for. When I translated the book of Revelation, or over half the book of Revelation, that happened, I can't tell you how many times I just sat there and thought, I said, Father, you know where that's at. I know 
I, I, I want to understand what this means. You know, where it said 12,000, this people and 12,000, this people. And all of a sudden, Father spoke in my thoughts. Or you can say your brain did it, whatever. It's still Father. And all of a sudden, I was aware of where the answer was in my earlier writings. Because I've been writing since 1988. And so I love it. And we must learn to hear that voice of one inside of us. So through the violation of this faculty of thought, you can refuse to receive ideas by contact with the Father. And there are people all over the world that do that today. They don't believe. They don't believe in Father. They don't believe in God. And they believe all their sources through natural science. And then they worship natural science. And I know people that do that. Science has become their God. Well, science is good, but guess where it came from? It all comes from Father. All knowledge, all wisdom comes from our source. So you can cut yourself away from the realm of original truth and live in an illusionary universe, if you would, in which you are forever unraveled and things be, seem to be tangled and things just never seem to work out. You ever met people that think it's just things don't work out? They can grow up in the same home, they, they just the say, same oh, environment. They, they think it's just rotten love. That's yeah. true. And they're chasing shadows and it always <laughs> seems to lure them. So we see clearly that this faculty is the rock or the foundation upon which all of our consciousness must be built. All of our understanding must be built. Frank said, your world is your garden. That is true. Your world is your garden. So scripture says, be no longer a slave to the thinking faculty. Command it to be still and know. Remember scripture says, be still and know that I am the Lord. And stand at the center of your being and say, I and the Father are one. That's what we must do. And that's paraphrased from John 10, 30. I am meek and lowly in heart. In other words, I'm not going to be pious and think I don't need anybody. I don't need any help. And then another one is all authority has been given unto me in my awareness and in my body. All power, all authority has been given to us. And then in uh, Isaiah... It said, there is no source, Father, other than our Creator, Father. There's no other source. You don't. You can think that science is your source, uh, but the source of all things, there has to be a source out there. I, I don't understand anybody that thinks that there's nothing, because uh, like my dad, my dad was a clock repairman, and uh, I can guarantee a watch didn't come out of some kind of explosion. <laughs> I watched him put those things together and work them. And this body, the Bible says, is fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, it is. I, people think it's funny, but when I sit on my throne in the bathroom all the time, and in the morning and I'm getting dressed, and I look down and I look at my feet, I don't know how many times I do it, and I just think how awesome those things are, those feet. I see my tendons that go down there, and my little bitty dinky toes, and, or nubby toes. And I look at them and I think, how can they hold this 198-pound man up and keep me from falling down? And unconsciously even think about it, that the whole time you're standing, those little toes are moving and balancing you nonstop. What an awesome thing that is. And man tries to make it, but no one can make what the human body is whatsoever, as powerful as it is. So... Thought or understanding is the process in the brain by which substance is acted on by energy. Remember last week I talked about how there's nerve fluid that's going through our body, that's energy that's flowing through us. 
And thought is the movement of ideas in the mind. If you're taking thought, then there's movement, there's ideas, and your, your conscious, your brain is beginning to formulate those thoughts or work with those thoughts. Thought control is established by aligning the thoughts with the divine mind, though. We can control our thoughts. Everything that's ever created, and Quade, I think you would agree with this, it started with a thought, didn't it? Thought of with an idea, you know? And uh, if, if it's a, it can come forth, and that's why every creation that we have, telephones started with a thought. Electricity started with a thought. Thomas Edison looked it up and saw, looked up and saw, is it Thomas Edison? Saw lightning? Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, excuse me. Benjamin Franklin looked up and saw lightning and he had a thought. We could harness that. And then all of a sudden they learned how to generate it, where there'd be more and more and more. Then Thomas Edison came up with a telephone. And it just goes on and on and on. And there's all kinds of thoughts. And today, there's so many people on the earth, you can't think of anything that somebody else had not already thought of it. I know. I, I know this is silly, but Donna uh, loses hair quite a bit. Most women do. And so the bathtub is always getting uh, hair in it. So I thought, well, somebody needs to make some kind of screen that was set over top of that. And I ought to see if I can invent that. So I go to the store and there's about 50 of them, you know, they're called drain thing, <laughs> you know, but I was just thinking about that. They're no matter what you think of, somebody's already thought of it. So you better act on it fast if you think you have the original thought. So again, uh, we want the divine mind or the truth to bring every thought into captivity. If you think you're going to be alone the rest of your life, you need to bring that into captivity. And that's what my little grandson said today, the other day. He said, I think I just need to go live by myself. Nobody loves me and nobody wants me. You know, and that was a feeling he was going through. He's got a little emotional problems that he's dealing with. But that needs to be, he needed to hear the answer. That's not true. We want you. We've all felt that way at one time or another. Yes, we have. It, it's a terrible feeling, though. Our adulthood, you know, and even, even if we know what we know, Still, those thoughts can creep in. Well, it wars against you because it has been a thought that you that right. you have thunk many times, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it hasn't been cast down. It's been nursed. It's been played with. It's been, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why Paul said, casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Father, the knowledge of who you are, if you would, yeah. you know, and so... If it's a thought that brings you distress, discord, fear, out of harmony, then it's a lie. Don't think it. It may, it may be a fact. It may be a fact that, you know, things are going on in your life, but it doesn't mean it has power over you. It only has power if you give it power. My mom used to talk about being depressed all the time, and she would always say, I'm deeply depressed, or this is deep, deep it's depression. Concerned. Well, the only way it can get deep if you keep digging in it, in, yeah. right? You, you dig yourself in. So you have a choice, dig a hole or climb up high and bring those captivities in the thought of the divine mind. So the healing balm for every inharmony in consciousness, under, conscious understanding is understanding the creative power of thought and its relationship to divine mind and to manifestation. There are people that don't believe there is a God. There are people that don't believe 
and the source or whatever, but they still, their thoughts have come up higher. Mm -hmm. And they have some good thoughts. Positive and positive thoughts, thinkers. It could be positive thoughts, but mm -hmm. if it's just positive thoughts, then something can happen to tear that away from you. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about positive thinking, but it's a beginning. I would rather deal with somebody that thinks positively and then negatively because the negative thoughts are pretty difficult to get out of. So if you say, this is how I feel, but I'm positive, I'm going to do better. You know, I have a good outlook on life, but right now I feel this way. Then, and that's what we need to acknowledge all the time. Yes, my, like my little grandson said, I, he, I forget what I was telling him. I was just telling him he needed to quit eating a lot of sugar and stuff because they gave him a whole lot of sugar that day at school. And he said, I'm trying to tell you my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad he said that. And so I just sat down. I said, okay, what? tell them to me. But you've got to, somebody's got to tell you that those feelings aren't true. You have to get to where they're real, but they're not the truth. So adverse conditions are built into thought and body by the law of mind action, or I like to say brain action, because there's only one mind. And ignorant thinking forms a substance of thoughts in the brain and the body, and that brings the body into an inharmonious state. That's where sickness and disease and everything else then comes from. And it's passed on through the collective. You can live in a home that has all kinds of negative thought, and it affects you, right? You're, it's very rare that a person can come out of a home that's had a lot of abuse and everything else. I, I have, there's four siblings from my home. And there was a lot of tough stuff went on in my home, a lot of abuse, a lot of different things. And for some reason, I came out of that unscathed. I'm not saying perfectly unscathed, but it didn't affect me like it did the other ones. And I think, I don't, well, I don't want to say what it was, but I, I just, I, I had a more positive outlook on life. And I think I just kept protected from it or something. I'm not sure. But we don't want to, we don't want these thought, thoughts to become fruit. <clears throat> Because when they become fruit, that's they when it's to tough. Nurture those negative thoughts. Don't nurture them. Don't don't nurture them. Right. And have them grow. Right. So there's nothing wrong with you if you have those thoughts, but there's something wrong with you if you continue to nurse those thoughts. And like, who was it? Doctor Phil said you wouldn't be doing something if you wasn't getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. right. Most people they're getting something out of it, or they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I see people cut themselves and do all kinds, and I think, why are they doing that? Well, they're getting something out of it. I don't know if it's attention. I don't know what it is, but they wouldn't be doing it if they wasn't getting something out of it. So thought and understanding are the no thought and understanding are the product of thinking. Sometimes we think too much, and I believe in thinking. We overthink things and we make it very difficult. A mental vibration or impulse sometimes will go with those impulses when we shouldn't do that. Excuse me. So each thought is an, is an identity that has a central ego around which, it, which all elements kind of revolve, if you would. And so thoughts are capable of expressing themselves. So we need to, again, pay attention to what we're thinking. And too many times we have an affair with our thoughts, if you would, and we end up with this great big old movie, <laughs> if you would. And we let it, we let that thought go. And if it's not an expedient thought, but we let it continue on and on, next thing you know, 
then it, you project that out and you participate in it and it causes problems. So every thought clothes itself in a life form, if you would. And, a, and it, it's, it's, the form is simply the conclusion of that thought. So let's just say I come home. Donna's been thinking all day long, I can't wait for Roy to get here. I miss him so much, you know. And, but I've been having some odd thoughts or whatever. And I come home and I project that thought upon her. And next thing you know, there's a fight, there's an argument or something. And I never get to experience what she was thinking about me during the day. So my bad thoughts or whatever, like I'm hungry, she's probably not going to have a meal ready for me or whatever. I don't know what to say, but I'm just saying sometimes we, we let those thoughts, we project them and then they cause a lot of problems. And there again, none of them were true whatsoever. But don't you think fear creates negative thoughts and fear of making the wrong decision mm. creates negativity because I've, I've, I've had lots of friends that say, well, you know, I just, I don't know which decision to make. I don't know whether to do this or I don't know whether to do that. But the right. hardest part of any decision is making the decision to make it. Right. It but is. I know fear sometimes produces, fear of making a mistake right. produces it. Right. Fear of making a mistake. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Insecurity, right. you know, exactly. all kinds of stuff. Right. But what we got to realize is that uh, there is always going to be some kind of conclusion to a thought. Mm -hmm. And so, if you're constantly thinking on things like that and they're negative thoughts, yeah, gonna there's going to be a conclusion. There's going to be something formed, mm -hmm. and that's why we have to protect ourselves. And and if we're having a thought that's going to lead to destruction, then we just need to either say, I need help, or we need to say, you know, I'm, I'm, that's not true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe the truth. I'm going to stop thinking on that. And, and to stop thinking on something, just get up and do something else. Get in a conversation with somebody else. Go out and walk around and, and look at nature or do something well, instead just of just like you with your thinking. Body being still, yeah, my body. And you've been getting, instead of thinking about, that so much. I've been painting. On that, you find something else to do to occupy your time, right. and it has yeah. helped a lot. Yeah, painting has helped me a whole lot. And what's interesting about it is when I quit painting, and I come in here just think I'm going to rest for a while or whatever, and I, not that I shouldn't rest, but when I when I lay down, <laughs> that usually that wave comes over me and I get real sick again. And it's not that I'm thinking about it; it's just I. I just think there is some real truth to do things that are edifying to the soul and it brings healing to you. You know, and I love how people look in those paintings and they see marvelous things. Had a lady today order one and she just said it just it touched her to her soul. You know, so art is beautiful. I've talked about this when we talked about color a week ago. So again, the form that takes place is simply the conclusion of the thought. So one of the obvious truths of metaphysical, a lot of people freak out when they hear the word metaphysical. Meta means other, so other than physical. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look, there's a dictionary that sometimes, years ago, somebody tried to teach in my church and I made them stop teaching because I thought, oh my gosh, that's dangerous stuff. But all it was was trying to teach the Bible other than a physical understanding. It's looking for the spiritual understanding. And so physics is the thoughts are the things so I want to think other than just physics. 
I want to think with spiritual physics, spiritual understanding. The imagination marshals its faculties and literally makes into living entities, if you would. When we imagine things that are not edifying, rather than imagining who we really are, because as I spoke the last two weeks, our imagination is a powerful thing. And it's, it's, we're supposed to imagine the things of God. We're supposed to imagine things that are good and wonderful and peaceful and perfect and imagine the world. Who was it, the Beatles that sang the song, I Can Only Imagine? No, not that one. But they talked about their imagination. And so thought is controlled by the right use of our affirmation and then the, the denial by the power of the mind to accept or reject. We can reject negative thoughts. We can reject them. We can say, I'm not letting that come to my mind. No matter what happened, it's not the end of my life. It's not the end of my world. And this power of the mind is the I exist, if you would. It's your source. And it's through that avenue of I exist that controls and it takes dominion over your thoughts. And then uh, you're, you, you, you don't hold on to thought anymore. You don't hold on to those kind of things. So thoughts produce the atmosphere you live out of. I'm not going to do much longer, but I want to finish this. Thoughts produce the atmosphere that you live out of. Thoughts produce the atmosphere of people around you because you project that to them. So the surrounding mental climate created by each person is kind of projected into other person's thinking, right? Your friends, your family, thoughts of denial build up an unfriendly and a contradictory atmosphere and thoughts of love and prosperity and health create a harmonious mental atmosphere. So it's what do you want? What do you want to get out of this? Do you want to learn and grow and, and live a better life? Or do you want to just waller in that? And that's where people have been most of their life. So a collection of ideas come from the collectiveness of mankind. The reason the world is in the shape that it's in is a lot of people out there have come up with wrong ideals and ideas. And, you know, the way of running the world, if you would, or the way of doing things or whatever. So, for example, as we saw with Apostle John, love manifests through the heart, right? And so people aren't in tune with their heart or their spiritual conscious awareness, and so they're more in tune with carnal things and carnal desires, and that's not producing love. What we see going on in a large part of the world today is not love. It's ego. It's greed. It's wanting more money for me, myself, and my family, and that's it. And so like attracts like, does it not? They do. So a thought will take up its abode in our consciousness with thoughts of like character. And so sometimes we hang around people of the same character because it makes us feel good about ourselves. This law of attraction continues until combined and literally it makes a colony of people that have the same thoughts and the same desires. And then they want everybody else to be just like them. So thinking thoughts, and the understanding comes from both are a power and it's a moving force within an idea that gives itself expression. And all structures are built by thought power. Everything is built by thought power. You, you, didn't, you didn't get the, uh, uh, what are those towers that were blown up? What are they called? The bombs. You didn't get the twin towers without somebody thinking that and seeing it. You, you didn't get anything that you see whatsoever without somebody thinking that and seeing it. 
Quaid was going to be an architect. He's, he's you know, he's not 100% sure of everything, but he is now. But as been an architect, he would have a thought of a building and then he would project that onto plans and those plans would be given to the builder and they would take that thought, that image, and they would build that structure and it looked just like it. But it had to be thought, it had to be thought about, and then it had to be projected and it comes forth. So anything that's going on in your life, you really probably don't, can't really say, I don't know why this is happening to me. You ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Most cases you do. I don't know why I did that. Yeah, you do. You thought about it because you wouldn't have done it unless you thought about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I went and bought that car. Well, you thought about it. You saw it. You you checked on it. You you saw it. Then all of a sudden your reticular activity kicked in and you saw it everywhere you want. And the more you see it, the more you want it. And that's why you bought that car, right? Everywhere you huh? Everywhere you go. So the power is transmitted throughout the brain and through its thinking faculties. And from the brain, it's projected to the body. And it goes forth to the body. So a sense of lack affects the body. A sense of depression a sense the affects the body. All kinds of ill thoughts affects the body. So if the body is not feeling good, if the body is not well, one of the greatest things we need to do is change our thoughts. Change our thinking faculty. All who are in like planes of consciousness, with the, they, they think the same thing. And it's an energy that can, it's an it's a energy that if it's not good thinking, it can hinder the real energy that we need. But don't you think that people think spontaneous things and do it with that without, thinking? Without thinking anymore. They have a thought, but they don't think through it. But maybe, but if it's spontaneous, how do you think? I mean, it's not something but it's it's already been it's all it's all it's it's already been thought about there's nothing that you would think and do instantly that you haven't already thought about already it's in there it, you know it, there has been a dwelling and a thinking on I, I say this all the time nobody ever has an affair without thinking about it first I don't think anybody would just all of a sudden just have an affair without thinking about it I don't think anybody would take drugs without thinking about it I don't think any, there's, there's just, you've thought about it before it formed into to a real, a real thing. I've done things before that, that later I'm thinking to myself, why did I do that? Why would I do that? No. What was I thinking? That's right. But you had been thinking it. <laughs> maybe, maybe can you not. think it without being aware that you're thinking Yeah, you can, down in your subconscious mind. There's things that are planted into our subconscious mind. What you look at over and over and over becomes a reality sometimes. Well, think about this. Why did you get hungry for Brahms ice cream at 6 o'clock last night? Because you saw a commercial at 4 o'clock. I think about a lot of things that I don't, right. that I don't do. Right. I mean, but there are some that, are, that you're a person's weaker in, I guess. I don't know. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. <laughs> well, <those laughs> trying to get there, though. You cast those thoughts down. Yeah, you do. So, when we send thoughts, when we send thoughts into our personal consciousness, the process is very laborious, and it can be dangerous if it's in our personal confidence, and it doesn't come through spirit. It's not under the control of the spirit. There is a law of spirit. The Bible says that there's a law of spirit and life that we must live by, and which I call holy breath, and it equalizes all forces generated by the mind.
if we're really in tune with our holy breath, if we're really in tune with the divine mind, then it will equalize and it will it will cast out all the vain vain imaginations because it's the truth, and the truth always cast out vain imaginations, and that's why we're always trying to teach the truth. So the law is in keeping in contact with the divine mind, and there is neither success nor safety in using carnal energies to guide us in wisdom or carnal knowledge to guide us in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And we find the word light all throughout scripture, right? Mm -hmm. Light, light, light. light. All, light. Yes, it symbolizes understanding. What do we hear people say? You need greater light. When I, I've had these new lenses put in my eyes, they're called symphony and they're very expensive lenses and they're very good. And I don't have to wear bifocals anymore. I'm not farsighted or nearsighted. I have 20-20 vision. However, to read smaller print, I always tell the doctor, I can read that smallest line that they show you. Can you imagine that? I've never been able to read that. It actually says, if you're reading this line, you are the most awesome man that ever lived. I always add that to it. They laugh. But the thing, but but what I tell them is, I, but what I tell them is, is I need more light to see it. I can't see that little bitty with just normal light that I could see this font with. I had to have more light, and when I have more light, I can see it. Well, the truth sometimes seems to be real little because it's hidden. It's hidden by past beliefs, past experiences, and we need more light. So if you believe nobody loves you, you just need more light. But if you're living you need, in the dark, you can't see. You can't the see. Print. Right. But you can climb out of it. You can climb out of it. And that's what we need. We need more light. We need more understanding. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but uh, the first, there's a, there's a law of studying or a rule of studying scripture. It's always the, the first mention, the rule of first mention. So if you're going to study a word, you want to go to the very first mention in the Bible to see where it's at. And so I looked up uh, understanding this morning, and it's in Exodus 31.3. And it's speaking of a man named Bezalel. And I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Sure He's the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And Bazeli's name means in the shadow of our protection of God. Understanding there would be protection, would it not? Mm -hmm. So verse 3 states here, I have caused him to be fully in contact with his divine mind. I've, I've paraphrased it. In wisdom, understanding, and in the knowledge of all manner of workmanship to be cunning in the work of gold, silver, and brass. Now, if you would look in there for some symbolisms, again, shadow or, or protection, that, that God protects us with divine understanding and divine knowledge. And then also this man was very knowledgeable with gold. What does gold represent? Our divine nature, right? Our divine nature. Silver represents the eternal knowledge of eternal redemption. And then brass, used to, we thought brass is the metal for judgment. But when you look it up, it says copper as in fine gold. So it's still divinity. Mm -hmm. You know, so the heavens aren't brass to us. The heavens is divine. The heavens represent the mind of men or, or your upper part of our body. And so uh, every, everyone father appointed to work on the tabernacle was a person who was given great understanding, great knowledge and wisdom. It said who... Job asks, who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who is giving understanding to the heart, the consciousness? The answer is Father. That's who does it. 
And then there was a city that the fourth son of David, or the, uh, Adon, Adon, Adonijah or something like that, Adonijah, he was born in a city called Hebron. And I looked Hebron up today. And it's really funny. It symbolizes the front brain. It symbolizes the seed of consciousness and thought and understanding. And David at Hebron represents the love of the heart center and the act of becoming unified with understanding. So when the heart, the love, is unified with understanding and all of our understanding is based on love, then we can, we can live in rulership over this earth. Not just service, but a rulership. And that's so good. I think it's so important to us to understand that. So divine understanding is established in consciousness abroad, uh, above understanding, uh, or excuse me, included in understanding and divine principle with all of our life and all of our existence depends on having divine understanding. Without understanding, my people perish. Not that there's a, a lack of knowledge and understanding, but they reject it. That's what scripture says. People are rejecting the truth. And that's one of the things that puzzles, my greatest puzzle is that right here in Oklahoma City and, and other places where other ministers are preaching, we're teaching so much truth. And because people are so infected with religiosity that they reject the truth. And the, that's what they did with Jesus. The truth, the way, the truth, the life, the one that was here to teach the truth was standing right in front of them and they rejected him. And I just, it just blows my mind. So I know you who are listening and following aren't doing that, but I just pray for people. Lord, wake people up. You know, wake, help them, wake them up. But they've got to want to be awakened because Father doesn't do anything against a person's will. But this world that we live in today, this is not how we're intended to live. You know, yes, we have wonderful things, one of the inventions, but people's lives are in a mess. And Father wants them, doesn't want that for them. I don't want that for them. I have many times cried about how, why won't people listen? Why don't they want to hear? And it's just because their thoughts are so infected with so much ill will and insecurities and everything else, and they're afraid. They're really afraid to, that, to learn more because their pastors say, oh, you don't need to hear this stuff, or you need to stay away from those people. But I'm telling you, in my digging through the ancient books, I found more revelation than I've ever found set in listening to my past preachers, ever. It, this has been glorious, hasn't it, Donna, for us? And I know for you too, Norma. I, I've never heard things like what we're hearing right now. And it's brought me so much peace and so much uh, love for other people. Just to know that Father loves everyone unconditionally. And there's no loves you but. The love is without a cause. And that means if you leave your body, you will eternally be with Father. There's no other place to be. Amen? Amen. All right. Hope you all enjoy this. Hi, Deborah. Good to see you with us today. We love you guys. If you just got on and you didn't get to hear it all, I encourage you to go back to the beginning and listen to this. And then please share. Uh, I, I can, you know, there's only so many people that Facebook lets my videos get out to. But if you share it, you can send it to your world. So bless you. Make sure and tune in at 430 Eastern Time and listen to my dear sister Kay Fairchild. Have a good day.